This is Alicia Free, a badass belly dancer, musician, and real food enthusiast, here to help you feel a little lighter. This episode of A Little Lighter is going to be different than all the ones that came before it. And it's going to be quieter too. I'm whispering into a microphone because my son and my husband are all snuggled up in another room early in the morning on New Year's Eve. I don't want to wake them up. I'm in our back room surrounded by our backpacks because we're heading to Asia tomorrow morning. And the roaring 20s are starting. I love my life. I love my body and soul. I'm having such a wild ride. And we just came back from Date with Destiny a few weeks ago. That's a big Tony Robbins event. And since then, I've honestly felt so much calmer, so much clearer about what's important and what I want to do next and how to enjoy my life. And I've just been enjoying my life more. It's been really beautiful. And I want to share it. So this episode is going to be all about the inspiring things I learned about feminine and masculine energies and relationships and love and values in our lives. There's going to be some dance in here too. The thing is, belly dance is a vehicle for happiness, for peace, for connection, for ecstasy. And I dance because I want more of all of that in my life. So this episode is going to be how to get more of that. It's going to be different than the other episodes. And I think you're really going to love it. This is being recorded right at the very cusp of 2020. So there's this whole fresh start feel. Whenever you listen to this, you're approaching some fresh start in your life. A birthday, a holiday of some sort that you see as turning into the new year or even a new day. So let's take advantage of this energy, this momentum, this fresh start and make our lives more what we want them to be, what we dream them to be, what the priestess inside of us wants for our future and our present. My husband and I took six days to focus on who we are now and who we are becoming at Date with Destiny, the Tony Robbins event. What a gift. We danced, celebrated, wept, and reflected in close proximity with 5,000 extraordinary people, all the while being coached and trained by the legend that is Tony Robbins. First time I heard Tony Robbins' voice, I thought, what is this gravelly voice? Who is this man? He talks about money all the time. And I closed myself off to him. He has so much to teach us in a way that I've never seen in another human being. And I've followed different gurus. I've listened to different geniuses all over the world, people with crazy training, people that consider levitation a very possible thing, even normal in some ways. Tony Robbins is on another planet in terms of his service to others. I mean, the man is incredibly wealthy and he still goes on stage for 12 hours at a time without stopping and trains all of us. He doesn't have to do that. I thought that this event, Date with Destiny, would be like attending a rock concert that went from 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. for six days straight with very few real breaks and wild dancing and nightclub lights. And I was right. It was a total party. But I also thought this event would be more about how to improve and expand our business. I always welcome those ideas. My husband and I are in business together and that's important to me to be successful in our business and enjoy it. So many of the people there at the event were already financially free and financially free to their own standards. I'm not saying they all had to be incredibly wealthy, but they could afford to be at the six-day event and let the rest of life happen without them for six days. So there's a lot of freedom in that. And it became clear that business was not the focus of this gathering. Tony said, the reason you came is not the reason you came. I love that. 
there's a bit of surrender in there. My husband and I are no strangers to the whole personal development world. We love it. This is how we have fun. My husband and I went to T. Harv Eckert's Millionaire Mind Training. After I was laid off from two nonprofits, I was completely passionate about their mission. I just kept getting laid off one after the other. I decided it was time for something else to have our own business. Then we spent that year just traveling to incredible events focused on growing our business, investing and manifesting, marketing, and basically being unstoppable in whatever we do. In the Landmark Forum, we learned how to separate what actually happened from the stories that we make up. This is such a huge tool. We make so much shit up, shit that doesn't serve us and doesn't serve others. We can create empowering stories around what happened and what is happening and kick out the victim bullshit. That's what the Landmark Forum taught us. We meditated in silence for 10 days at a Vipassana meditation retreat in India. We meditated for 10 days straight in silence without really making eye contact with other people and just went really far inside, went really deep. We learned how to follow our breath. I'd spent a bit of my Peace Corps Thailand service in meditation as well. So these experiences also created who I am and helped me be a happy person. We covered ourselves in creativity on the playa at Burning Man. These experiences have shaped us. We also attended Unleash the Power Within with Tony Robbins a month before we adopted our son. And that was incredible. I walked on fire for our son twice before I even met him. He's that awesome. (laughs) Day with Destiny gave us something more that I didn't even anticipate. It turned us into a giant flock of love bugs looking deeply into the eyes of a stranger reciting the Hopa Ono, for example, this Hawaiian forgiveness prayer. I'm sorry. I love you. Please forgive me. Thank you. That's all it is. I'm sorry. I love you. Please forgive me. Thank you. Yes, pure forgiveness flowing out of us, simultaneously freeing us when we say it, as well as the person who listens deeply. Please listen, I'm saying this to you. I'm sorry. I love you. Please forgive me. Thank you. Imagine saying this to your friend or family member that you lost touch with. Imagine getting them back in your life, letting go of whatever happened, and just getting them back in your life. Life is so short. It's such a cliche, but it's so true. Life is so short. Imagine saying this prayer to your spouse after you lose your temper. I'm sorry. I love you. Please forgive me. Thank you. Look farther in. Enter their eyes as a doorway to spirit. The first time might not feel like much, but if you keep saying it, you're going to touch their heart. This is direct access to forgiveness and one of the most powerful practices I've ever experienced or learned. So this is just one of so many gifts that we got at Date with Destiny. It's this Hopuono Hawaiian forgiveness prayer. I tried to find the story that Tony mentioned about a man who worked in a psychiatric facility in Hawaii, and he took out the files of patients at the facility and did the hopoono, saying this prayer to them. He didn't even he didn't say it directly to the people, and they, I think they had to close it down because they healed everybody. Something wild like that. There's just so much power in our words, so much power in our intent. There was another apology he presented where you can say to someone, I have judged the parts of you that I cannot live without. Wow. And Tony also said that mercy is when you have the power to do something, but you choose not to. And this was a huge takeaway that I got. Complexity is the enemy of execution. I had been searching for this clarity. And after pondering complexity, I decided that simplicity and clarity are the allies of execution. 
uh, clarity. This was a big theme for me at the event. And Tony said, the purpose of a goal is not to make you happy. The goal is all about who you become along the way. Progress makes us happy, not reaching goals. Now, the first half of that quote, I think, might be Jim Rowan, but the idea that it's actually progress that makes us happy, not reaching goals, that is profound. Tony also says that our values are the emotional states that we believe are the most important for us either to get or avoid. Thinking about values is something that you are resisting or searching for and pursuing. At Date with Destiny, we learned ways to design our expectations and our values so that feeling happy is easy, if that's our value. If we want to feel happy, we design our life so it's easy for us to get that feeling. So that experiencing negative, low-energy states happens less than the high-energy states like joy and love. Now, these high-energy states help us learn. We're open to learning when we're in these high-energy states. Also, of course, low-energy states. I'm not saying that we don't learn when we're really depressed and sad and beat down. We definitely learn, but we learn at a much faster rate when our hearts are open and we're experiencing joy. Our emotions and our beliefs and values are invisible forces in our lives. So we often think about the forces being what happens to us, what other people, the government, uh, our genetics, but really our emotions, beliefs, and values are so powerful. So why have I spent so much of my life being frustrated and angry? Am I the victim or the victor? I decide. Here's some more amazing things that Tony said. What we resist persists. If we resist gaining weight, we're going to keep gaining weight. That's the idea. If we resist being unhappy, we're going to keep being unhappy. What we resist persists. And so much pain comes from our habit of focus that doesn't serve us. We can influence what we focus on and it will make a huge impact, right? So, so much pain comes from our habit of focus that doesn't serve us. We can influence what we focus on. 45% of our behavior is habitual. Now, this is where the whole danceable ritual comes in and the light in my body food. What habits can we reinforce in our lives? What habits can we create so that we enjoy our lives more and feel energy, feel this health, this high energy state much more of the time than the lazy, depressed, low energy state? Another quote, pain is not in the facts. It's in your perception of the facts. And there are three things that cause suffering. The fear of loss, less and never. The fear of loss, less and never. I love these quotes too about triggering. Worrying about being triggered means you are always reacting. To angry people, everything is offensive. To grateful people, everything is a gift. Angry people think everything is aggravation. It's a habit. It's the way we've set up our lives. If you were unhappy, you may have made too many rules that don't really matter. That's the really fun part. The rules don't really matter. You can let go of them. Pain provides three choices. One, ignore and blame events, others, or self. Or two, change your life conditions. Or three, change your blueprint. Change your design of life, your concept of life. When life conditions do not meet your blueprint, that's when you suffer. Hurt is the illusion of loss. Suffering is when you believe you cannot change your blueprint. And all suffering is not in the facts. It's in my perception of the facts. Suffering comes from expectations. Trade your expectations for appreciation. You might want to write that one down. Trade your expectations for appreciation. We can deal with the worst day on the planet if we have a compelling future. When something happens to us, we can ask, 
was this an accident or were we guided by grace? If we're still alive after something happens to us, there was probably some grace. We can see it or we can choose to ignore it. So there are patterns here. And through bliss and exhaustion and training at this event, we were able to see more patterns, which is just about the most helpful human skill I can think of. Tony Robbins says people who have power recognize patterns, utilize patterns, and create patterns. It wasn't about having money. Having money is not power, but recognizing patterns, utilizing patterns, and creating patterns, that is access to power. So I'm asking myself, can I recognize my own patterns? Do I focus on what I have or what I'm missing? Do I focus on what I cannot or can control? Do I focus on the past, present, or the future? Because where we focus, our energy flows. So what am I focusing on? Tony says, if you want joy, it's only in the present. Fuck being predictable, manageable, easy to handle. Let's experience joy. Let's see and change our patterns. You get what you tolerate, Tony says. Ah, this is a beautiful one. Problems need energy to live. So what's a problem? I decide if something's a problem. Something that doesn't fit my idea of how it should be, that's a problem. So I can change my idea of how it should be. It's possible. And problems are relative. Tony talks about the three P's of learned helplessness. A problem is permanent, pervasive, meaning everything is impacted, or personal. If you're feeling very helpless, take a step back. Do you see this problem as permanent, as pervasive, as personal? Well, guess what? Problems are not permanent. Here's a shift in perspective. Problems are gifts. Almost all of our growth comes from them. Problems are a sign of life. Get on your knees and pray for them. Get on your knees and pray for problems. Problems are how we sculpt our souls. What do you think of that? When am I habitually doing something that doesn't work? When am I habitually creating problems that don't need to exist? And Tony mentioned a quote from the film, A Beautiful Mind. It was something about problems and darkness. Something like, it will never go away. I just don't feed it. I realize that whatever I feed every day grows bigger. So what am I feeding? What am I feeding every day? Frustration, righteousness, impatience. Those feelings don't need to go away. They're part of my life. I can just choose not to feed them. Instead, I will feed love, grace, playfulness, that's why I'm here. And that's why I dance. So how do I do that? It's about the questions we ask. Strategic innovation is about changing the rules of the game. And that's about asking new questions. Tony says, ask a shitty question, get a shitty answer. Ask better questions. Okay, ask better questions. That brings me back to meditation, that clarity. How do I master my mind? Tony says there are three levels of mastery. Cognitive mastery where we understand something, but knowing is not enough. Number two, emotional mastery, where we feel something, we feel it, we link it with emotional consequences. Number three, physical mastery, doing it consistently. You embody it. It's your identity. The danceable rituals in the show, they're the first thing in the show. They might not be your favorite part of every show, but rituals make it real. Repeat, repeat, repeat. If we habitually dance in our lives, when we wake up, when we do dishes, when we do laundry, we're going to experience more joy. Dancing brings us joy. Changing our physiology lifts our energy. Changing our physiology by opening up our shoulders and our chest, putting our chin up, standing up like we own this mother effing place and just moving as if we are so beautiful and powerful. That changes our minds. 
Now, meaning equals emotion and emotion equals life or mastering meaning. You could think God is punishing me, God is challenging me, or I brought this on myself. You could also think life happens for me, not to me. Life happens for me, not to me. And if you're trying to avoid something like anger, I don't want more anger in my life. I can set it up like this. If I get angry, the other person wins. And that involves habit shaping as well, right? If I have conversations from an uncharged place without defensiveness, this is how Sage Robbins guides us, Tony's wife. Having conversations from an uncharged place without defensiveness means I can have a much more meaningful conversation. When I feel like I have to fight because I'm being attacked or something's not right. I mean, I make those things up. I make up that I'm being attacked. I make up that something's not right. I can reframe that. I can smile slyly and say, ah, a worthy opponent. I mean, I can use this on my three-year-old when he's really challenging me and I am losing my temper. I can smile at him and go, ah, a worthy opponent. If I'm getting sued in my business or I have a person that's very unhappy, I can smile to myself and say, ah, a worthy opponent. How am I going to step up for this? And our weaknesses are not the issue. We can hire people whose strengths are weaknesses so we can focus on building our strengths. This was a big one for me. Acknowledge my weaknesses, know them well, and then know my strengths much more. Feed my strengths and compensate for my weaknesses or be strategic about the weaknesses if they are weaknesses and I need some help with them. Get the help and feed my strength. Another worthy opponent in our lives may be self-doubt. I can't do that dance. I can't remember choreography. I can't share the stage with them. They're so much whatever than me. They're so much more talented. They're so much skinnier. They're so much taller. The self-doubt is also a worthy opponent. We can smile at it and move forward. Consider the consequences of being angry and frustrated. My energy and my attention are sacrificed when I'm angry and frustrated. Tony's wife, Sage, says that when we're in a low energy state, we tend to stack problems and negativity until it overwhelms us. Be aware of emotional stacking when we're stacking up the cards against ourselves. We're creating all these reasons why we should be angry and miserable and feel taken advantage of and like we're not enough. Sage says... I inhale until I find my inner coherence. Reset and step back in. I can stack memories of love in my heart. I can have them there when I need them. Tony says, happiness is power. You don't hear that a lot in the media. Look for what's right, not what's wrong. Stop focusing on how stressed you are and focus on how blessed you are. I love what Tony says about health as well. Health is an abundance of energy not the absence of disease. And consciousness is a measure of how much you care. Love is your essence. There was this interview of a concentration camp survivor, a Holocaust survivor that Tony did. And she's, I think, 106 years old in the interview. She plays the piano beautifully. And she was reflecting on the Holocaust. And, you know, you start to really just love this woman and her lightness and her happiness. And she says something to the effect of, I was happy in the concentration camp. I was with my son. You never hear that. You never hear that. I'll link to that video in the show notes. It's so powerful. She didn't see what was wrong. She saw what was right. She was with her son, even in this horrific situation. And she was happy. And her happiness influenced others. And I guarantee she survived because she was happy. And she chose to look at what was right. 
She played music for people in the concentration camps. They remember her. She changed their state when they heard her music and saw her smiling face. Such power. While we were doing exercises and figuring out what's really important to us, love became so clear. And I had heard others talk about how love is the most important thing in life and other occasions, but I had been busy checking off things on my to-do list and thought that was more important than love on a day-to-day basis. Now that's effing crazy, right? I can dance with my virtual villain. My virtual villain, one of them, is time. Think about who your virtual villains are. They're not real villains. We created them. Can I dance with my virtual villain, time? Is it in me to radically eliminate hurry? Ever since this event finished, I have felt that way. It's amazing. So instead of making another to-do list, I can answer these questions. One, what is my desired outcome? And two, what is my action plan? It's not about check, 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 busy, 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 useful, useful, useful. That was my value before, was to just always be busy. And consider my beliefs of extreme consequence. Will I be buried alive in tasks if I don't check things off of my massive to-do list? Come on, that's absurd. But that's what I believed before. Life is too goddamn short for this shit. The question I used to ask myself all day, every day, you ready for this question? How am I going to get all this shit done? How uninspiring is that? I created this question without realizing it. What garbage? I can choose to see the fun and the value of moments spent not doing what I planned. I can choose that. The question I ask myself now after realizing that that was the question I was asking myself all the time is... How can I have fun creating clarity and abundance for myself and others even more? How can I have fun creating clarity for myself and others? Creating abundance for myself and others even more. Now we're talking. I used to value usefulness. Yes, usefulness was a virtue that came onto the top of my list. But it was not one that I really intentionally chose. It was a concept that kept me busy, but not necessarily productive. And I was impatient and irritated. And it helped me judge others for being lazy. Wow, who gives a shit if someone else wants to just relax? Tony Robbins says the virtues that you want are already in you. You just don't value them. So this ideal person, this ideal way of being, it's already in me. I just don't value it. And therefore my actions and my thoughts don't follow that. At this event, I traded usefulness for kindness, for fun, peace, contribution. Those are now my top values. Usefulness can go shove it. Sometimes progress is not knowing what's next and being open to that. How much freedom is in that statement? That's another Tony Robbins quote. He always says, when would now be a good time? You're going to love this part about feminine and masculine energies. Valuing feminine energy. I started to block myself off to this conversation when Tony first started. I'm like, oh, you know, he's old school. He's thinking that gender is binary. This is not about that at all. It's really about the yin and yang. It's about choosing when we want to express our feminine and our masculine and seeing what's just coming up by default and figuring out if that serves us. So of course it's a spectrum, but just hear me out. This is old tantric wisdom too. There's a lot you can find online about feminine and masculine energies. So a big distinction is between immature masculine, like the masculine that dominates like a tyrant king, and the mature masculine that serves like a king that loves and protects their people. Now, thinking about business in the U.S., 
It's very masculine energy situation. And Tony talked about the immature feminine that uses seduction and demonstrates low self-confidence through gossiping, criticizing others, and the mature feminine that emanates confidence and empowers other women. Think about this in the dance world. Think about dancers who nurture other dancers. Then think about dancers who just criticize the small things that a person's doing and miss out on the fact that somebody is doing an amazing thing by getting out there and performing or just going to rehearsal and dancing and moving past the threshold of their door frame to move their body in a beautiful way or in a grotesque way. There's all kinds of dance. I have been this immature feminine energy or this immature masculine energy looking at other dancers and going, oh my God, I don't want anything to do with that. What am I focusing on? How about I focus more on what I think is really amazing and just work on bringing that out of myself and others. This immature, immature, masculine and feminine conversation just started in my brain. It was all new to me, still is. And you think about it, as many women get into business, they feed their masculine and discount their feminine energy. We turn ourselves into masculine warriors so that we can compete and do it all and lose touch with our softness. And I think this happens a lot with single moms too. So many women are taught to never rely on a man. And this leaves women expressing a masculine state even when being feminine would be so much more fun and true for them. And it leaves many men lonely and without meaning in their lives because women say they don't need them. They don't ever need to rely on a man. And so many more masculine people want to take care of others. I'm talking about the mature masculine. They want others to rely on them. So, so many of us that are more on the feminine side, when we take on the masculine, we're eliminating this beautiful role that the other masculine energies could be taking in our lives. I love this distinction too. The masculine is more easily pulled by a positive feminine state. I mean, when you smile, when you glow, when you're playful, and feeling powerful, that is so attractive to others. Let's talk more about this yin energy, this feminine energy. Cooperation, circulating, giving, connecting, caring. There's a quality of life focus more than on quantity, on being. Okay, let's look at the yang coherence. Instead of cooperation, we're talking about competition. Instead of circulating and connecting, we're talking about accumulating, concentrating, goal setting, performance and growth, having and doing rather than being. So you can see this feminine energy has so much to offer and so does the yang energy, right? And the yang energy again is peak experience, rational, analytical, logical, mental, linear in pursuit of certainty. Now in pursuit of certainty, a lot of times that means supporting your family, making sure that you're safe and you have food and you can pay for where you live and have a place to live. The yin side of that is endurance, sustainability, the feminine side. It's intuition, empathy, nonlinear, physical, emotional. It thrives in fluctuation rather than the pursuit of certainty. A lot of us women, we are so flexible and versatile in life. We're resourceful. We make things work. And a lot of men are just pushing forward in a way that they're not being flexible, but they will dominate. It's a very different method. <laughs> Let's talk more about the yang, the masculine as well. Bigger is better. Expansion. Independence. Hierarchy works best. There's planning. There's control of the future. There's cause and effect. You look at the whole in the masculine frame. Now let's talk more about the feminine again. Small is beautiful. 
interpersonal skills dominate. There's conservation, interdependence rather than independence. I mean, if you look at reality, you look at the way the world actually works, the way the wind blows, the way the water flows, interdependence is the true reality. And in the incoherence, in the feminine, egalitarian works best. There's faith in the future instead of control of the future. There's self-organizing chaos rather than this intense planning. Synchronicity as opposed to cause and effect. And you look at the pieces. The feminine energy looks at the details, the pieces, where the masculine energy looks more at the whole. We can have all of these things in our life. It's a matter of where our emphasis is, where our default lies. This whole list of different values is a slide from the event. I thought you would find it interesting. So belly dance has been a medium for my feminine expression ever since I started dancing in 2000. I was more feminine then. It opens my heart, belly dance. It's another way for me to love the little girl inside me and give her freedom to play dress up and dance around. For me, it's about spreading my wings and feeling beautiful. And dance weeds out the divisive elements of life because we see each other and we start to move together. So belly dance has this really feminine quality and it brings out the feminine in me. Belly dance has given my muscles memories that are like paints and I mix these colors in my heart and I hear the music and I create this picture that expands into everything and the instant it comes out of me, it's gone. It's not an outfit or makeup that I can remove and then feel frumpy. It's spirit. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I spend a lot of my time and energy creating this podcast because I am tired of people feeling like shit in their bodies, unconnected to their beautiful core. I mean, honestly, it could make me weep right now thinking about how much time we're spending in our amazing lives feeling like shit. Dance enhances our essence. And when we dance, it gives others the permission to dance. This fills dance floors. Be that person who opens the space for others to dance. Knock on the door of the divine feminine and invite her to the party so we can all enjoy her presence. If self-doubt and debilitating meetings keep playing in your head on repeat, it's only because you haven't turned them off. Turn them off. At the event on relationship night, one of the attendees stood up with his partner, got on the microphone, looked at her and said, my life is about lighting you up. And it clicked. My life is about lighting you up. You're listening right now? My life is about lighting you up. That's what inspires me. Another thing that Tony says is, make your move. Make your move. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. And so we have this power move. I want to create a power move together in one of the danceable rituals in a future podcast. When you need that surge of power, that surge of energy, you make your move. Make your move. Say yes. Say yes. So another really powerful tool. All right. So where did all this desire for masculine energy in my life come from? I'm pretty sure it had something to do with my father passing. I started becoming more masculine. I didn't know what else to do. I wasn't taking better care of my mother. I mean, maybe I was actually. I should give myself some credit. I have been there for her and adored her always, but especially after my father died. When my husband and I started buying real estate around 2012, a couple of years after my father died, we started operating our own business. And I went straight up warrior for a while, except when I was dancing. When I was dancing, I was soft and feminine, but in most other areas of my life, very masculine. It's so funny. I have been beating myself up for doing multiple things at a time for multitasking. Guess what? That's the beauty of the feminine energy, the diffused awareness. 
I've been beating myself up for trying to do too much instead of focusing on one goal. It's very masculine to focus on one goal. And it's not necessarily the best way to do everything. I had no idea. I was just looking at life through a very masculine filter. There is value in diffused feminine awareness. We can see and feel so much more than the single focus masculine energy. And this might not be valued as much as masculine energy in business and politics and in the US, but that doesn't mean it's a lesser energy in any way. Realizing this puts me in a position to choose whether I want to express my masculine or feminine energy depending on the situation. What freedom. I can be a badass at making money and also vulnerable and nurturing. It's my choice. I can express these different energies when I want to when I think it's advantageous, not just mindlessly be pushed by them because of my habits and my past. After making this distinction, I saw a couple walking down the hall of the event center holding hands. The woman was so feminine and I could feel her power and I loved it. When I woke up the next morning, I looked at my butt in the mirror. I was wearing this underwear that said party all night. I love that pair of underwear. My butt looked really awesome in that underwear. I took a picture. It had taken me entirely too long to be open to the power of my feminine energy. I feel like burlesque is a lot about the feminine energy too. Vulnerability, taking off your clothes bit by bit. It's really beautiful. At Date with Destiny, there's a day called Relationship Day. I think for some people, this is terrifying. For me, I was so excited to just get real with my relationship with my husband. So we have two friends who met at Date with Destiny years ago. She actually stood up on Relationship Day and broke up with her boyfriend there at the event. And her future husband was sitting in the room as well and talked to her afterwards. And they have a child now. They're actually the only people that we know that have gone to Date with Destiny. They are part of our inspiration for going. One of them mentioned that Relationship Day was their favorite. Sounds juicy, right? So who's going to show up in my relationship today and every day? I decide. I realized that I was being an accountant in my relationship with my husband. I was keeping score. That doesn't work. There's no generosity there. That's not love. Tony talked about unconscious whoring. He said unconscious whoring is when we think we're giving, but we're really giving to get something back. It's a transaction. Oh my God. My love, my relationship with my husband is not a goddamn transaction. But sometimes I was acting like it was. Never threaten the relationship. It's like putting a finger on the button to a nuclear weapon. And you think about that when you say something like, I'm going to walk out of here. I'm going to leave. That's toxic. Let's say something else. I realize that I want to treat my husband like he's an executive, like he's the CEO, just because I want to help him feel powerful. I want to feed that in him. I want to cultivate a love that our child will want in their lives, that our family will want to be around. A legacy of love. You know people like this. Let's be that. I love this quote too. Tony said, women need a reason to make love. Men just need a place. I just think that's so funny. We did this exercise. We were remembering the beginning of our relationship. And I was thinking about the newness, the exciting, the the secret focused feeling that there was only us, my husband and I, you know, when we first met, when we were dating. We didn't really date. We basically moved in together <laughs> after waking up together. So there was gentleness, anticipation, playfulness, surprise, his stubble, the walls around us, zipping up the tent windows, smiling, eyes sliding closed, screaming, and this peace on his face. The certainty of skin, holding and flipping and going wild on couches and festivals and at Date with Destiny. I remembered this. I always want to remember this. 
Tony Robbins says, give so much that your partner becomes your raving fan. This idea of generosity in a relationship with no expectations of getting something back. I reconnected with my desire to initiate, to let go of my thoughts, to enjoy the ritual of smelling my partner, telling him what I love about him, verbalizing it, talking about when we first met. I wrote my husband a love letter and I realized that I have never done that before. I've always been in his life. I haven't had a long-distance relationship with him. I mean, when we first met, he went to Guatemala for two months, and then he came right back, and we were connected spiritually, emotionally, physically from that point on. That was 2005. (laughs) I had never written my husband a love letter until Date with Destiny 2019. And we decided that we will write love letters to each other every year for our anniversary. I set it up as a reminder in my calendar because that's the kind of thing I need. Writing a love letter to my husband and watching him read it was one of the most beautiful things we have ever done together. And we wrote relationship goals at the seminar. Mine were to feed the fires in each other with 100% attention. Be spontaneous, playful, and open. Make my husband my hero, my king. Giving freedom always. Replacing criticism with appreciation. Honoring all that he is habitually taking responsibility for my negativity in the moment, making each bed a temple of passion and generosity, savoring pleasure, and inspiring others to love without limits. Now, I have to read this often because I definitely fall back into habits that are not this, but I have this printed out on my dresser so I can read it every day. And the trainer, Scott, who works with Tony Robbins, he told us about this princess book that he keeps on his desk. When he learns something about his wife, he writes it in the princess book and he understands her better. Now, my husband has a princess book and I have a prince book. So I'll mention some things that I put in my husband's prince book. I realized that when he uses numbers, he's not necessarily expressing a fact. He's expressing how something feels to him. Like when he says, this has happened thousands of times, he's really talking about how it feels. I don't need to worry about if the numbers are accurate. And when my husband asks me a question, sometimes he's just asking himself a question out loud and I don't need to answer it or think like, why would I know the answer to that? Why would I know where that is or what you did there? Um, He's just processing out loud. I don't need to question it. My amazing husband washes so many dishes and he often leaves, you know, a couple dishes unwashed or, you know, he does the laundry and he leaves laundry on the bed or we're packing our son's bag and he gets distracted, starts playing with our son and the bag is not fully packed and, you know, I figure out what's missing. I've been seeing all of this as incompletion, but it's really a perspective. We can take things as far as we want to. I decide what that means and how to respond to that. I can respond playfully with love instead of criticizing that something is incomplete. You see the power of this prince and princess book? Funny thing, I mean, you're going to say too much information, but my husband doesn't zip up his fly every time he goes to the bathroom or gets dressed. And I've been, you know, that's threatening to women. You need to zip up your fly. I've been saying all these things, but really it's funny that he doesn't zip up his fly every time. I can laugh at that. I don't need to criticize him. So going to this event has been huge for our relationship. And we left our three-year-old child for six days, seven days, you know, we had to travel with his grandparents and went to this event because we wanted to become amazing role models for him and to be so in love and for him to experience and see that. I mean, what could be better for a child? I mean, there are a lot of amazing gifts we can give our children. It doesn't have to be this, but to witness your parents completely in love so powerful. What a gift. There were also exercises in letting go. We did this exercise where we thought of something we were ashamed of, something we did that we haven't told anyone, that we don't want anyone to know. And we worked through it and we let it go. 
a whole room of 5,000 people letting go of something that we each decided was horrible and a wretched part of our past. There was almost a color to it. The sound of it being released was disgusting, like extreme purging. When I worked through this thing that I was ashamed of, this event in my life, I realized something amazing. I got grateful. I'm so grateful that what I let go of wasn't worse. (laughs) And grateful that I've grown so much since then. And I forgive myself for being so foolish that I was in that situation. I understand both sides now. I forgive everyone who was there. Tony Robbins talked about a fourth level of letting go or loving. I'm not sure. It was loving those that hurt you. And we see this in these amazing leaders. We see this in Nelson Mandela. We see this in the Dalai Lama. Loving those that hurt you. You know, who do I blame for my struggles? Who do I blame for who I am? Because like we said before, problems sculpt our souls. When we see someone as a source of a problem, we can thank them. Now I can write a letter to somebody who I blame for my struggles or my pain and thank them for shaping me. Thank them for the lesson they taught me. And the letter, the point of the letter is not to make them feel bad or to teach them a lesson. It's to thank them. Tony said, there's nothing here that can't be healed and released. And he kept saying, everyone's life is either an example or a warning. Another man in the audience that got on the microphone was born without any legs or arms. And he said, some people have everything and do nothing. I have nothing and do everything. This man is a drummer. No arms, no legs. He surfs. He skateboards. He goes to an event like this and gets up on the microphone and shines like you wouldn't believe lit up the entire room. We choose who we are. Parenting. I learned about parenting at this event too and our patterns of speech and how they impact our children. I've thought about NLP, you know, neuro-linguistic programming and thinking about when we reinforce these negative thoughts and create them through our speech, like money is the root of all evil. There's just a whole bunch of stuff that comes up that I've stopped saying and replaced with other more inspiring cliches, if you will. Tony says that children can tell when we are acting from our hearts or our head. My son can see if I'm talking to him from my head or my heart. He can feel that. I want to be in my heart as much of the time as possible. Get out of my head. And he said, self-esteem doesn't come from words. It comes from results. He said that today we've been telling our kids they're the best. They're the most amazing. They're this. And when they get into a competitive environment, they go away to college. They don't have you saying that all the time. And they're not the best. They're not the most amazing at something. And then they don't know what to do. But when they get results, when they make progress, Let's celebrate that. We remember this when we talk to our kids. They're not the cutest. Even though we say they're the cutest and we think they're the cutest, they're actually not the cutest. I mean, how do you even compare that? How is this really going to impact them when we're not cheering them on? Let's tell them they're amazing because they rise up and they serve others because they love and grow. Other quotes, certainty is that you are sure about the way something is. And the person who is the most certain will influence. So let's have more clarity. Let's have the most clarity on the way things are. I am an influencer. That is my destiny. That is why I create this podcast. That is why I create videos for you and playlists and why I write. I want to elevate all of us. I want to grow myself, work on myself first, and then use that to rise with everyone. So I want to be an oasis of clarity for my family. That's one of my major goals. I want to honor the child that is in me. And that's why I was focusing on playfulness again at this event. 
there's a distinction here too. There's push comes from pain. Pull comes from love. I want to pull others along with me and realize that there's a difference between positioning and authenticity. I got to realize when I'm positioning myself, when I'm authentically helping others and myself and to let people cry. Sometimes crying completes the stress cycle, not to stop them or comfort them. Just hold the space, be present, let them go through the whole thing. Face getting red, not being able to breathe. After that, they can get to a different spot. Let people cry. Let yourself cry. Tony says that in the end, we keep what we give and we lose what we keep. All right, here's the bringing in love part of it all. At Date with Destiny, I decided that getting shit done is not what feeds me. It's love. It's playfulness. And it's easy. We made new rules for our lives. Here's what I decided. Here are the rules that I created. I experience love and warmth anytime I am loving or kind to myself or others or feel the love I always have in my heart or see love in others. I experience health and vitality anytime I express positive energy or move through negative emotions or eat whole food or move my body with joy or grow stronger. I experience fun and happiness anytime I smile or laugh or enjoy what I'm doing or remember the happiness that I always have in my heart or move past frustration or achieve a goal. I experience service and contribution anytime I make something better or help someone or create or take care of myself or another being. I experience gratitude anytime I pause to see how amazing life is or say thank you or wake up or take a breath with awareness. I experience intelligence and clarity anytime I honor design and flow or understand another being or open up to what is or gain awareness or learn and grow or shift from a low energy state to a high energy state. Those are the rules I created. And this was a huge part of the event for me. I told righteousness to get the hell out of my life. You know those jokes about vegans being so righteous and in your face? Yeah, I'm vegan. Not strict, but strict enough that I would look at what other people were eating and think that what I was eating was better for the world. Yes, yes, that's how I was thinking. And it had been costing me love and fun and service and gratitude and my own intelligence Basically, all of the things that I now value were being diminished by this habit. I even realized that I've judged people who don't see God in trees and the flower in the sky. It's beautiful that I see God everywhere. It's an amazing thing. I am so happy that I see God in things that are not people. But a lot of people that are Christian, for example, they think God has to be in people or in animals if they even go that far. We can all see whatever the hell we want. We did an exercise where we choose a habit that's been costing us a lot. At first, I chose harshness. And you think about the whole saint of truth part of the show too, where harshness is part of my identity in a way. I'm not into that anymore. I started thinking about all the ways I've suffered and caused others suffering and righteousness just rose right to the top. And shit, it, it was time to deal with it. I screamed so much I lost my voice. Every single person has their own values and that has nothing to do with my values. How could I keep imposing my values on other people? How does that make people feel? How does that make my family feel? What did it say about me? Is that the person I wanted to be? Oh, hell no. I'm not doing it anymore. It doesn't work. 
I want to love and serve others. I choose to honor your values and rules unconditionally. That is who I am. I made a new rule that makes it difficult to feel bad and easy to love. Here's the rule. I would experience righteousness only if I were to consistently and inappropriately judge others or expect others to have my values or fail to respect the values of others instead of remembering that everyone has their own values. They are doing the best they can with what they have. It's not about me. And I made a rule about harshness too. I would experience harshness only if I were to consistently and inappropriately treat people harshly. Instead, I ask myself, how can I make this better and focus on what is good or going well? And stress. I would experience stress only if I were to consistently and inappropriately worry and be impatient. Instead, I respond with patience, clarity, peace, gratitude, and I make it fun. And frustration. I would experience frustration only if I were to consistently and inappropriately focus on the illusion that there's something wrong or incomplete or imperfect. Instead, I respect what is out of my control and celebrate how I can help and get clear on what is the difference that makes the difference. Right after I screamed and ranted about what I've lost and what righteousness has cost me until it became a deeply painful experience in my throat and in my body, I went for a ride on a very tall escalator. <laughs> I left the conference room and I felt like I was flying. I opened my arms up like they were wings on the top of this escalator. And I looked down at the conference center and I took a deep breath. And I saw people carrying food that they had just bought and they were going to eat it. And for the first time in a long time, I didn't care what it was. I was just so grateful that they had food and hoped that they would enjoy it. And it would give them the energy to grow and love and do whatever the hell they want to do. It was a very different feeling than the twisted default I'd been living in. The rules that I just told you, they're on my dresser. And I look at them every day. Soon they will be deeply embedded in my mind and my actions will continue to make those rules real. And part of recording this whole podcast is that I'm going to listen to it all the time, different parts of it, and keep it relevant and real in my life. And when I feel myself defaulting into trying to fix someone, I can shift into growing myself instead. What can I learn? How can this make me happier and a more compassionate person? I'm going to end with some really personal family things here. And my father died from cancer in 2009. Again, this has motivated me to help other people live in a way that cancer is less likely. Eating a whole food, plant-based diet, exercising, moving, happiness. I think many of these things keep many cancers out of our lives. So I was having a hard time remembering my father before he got sick. I couldn't remember his voice. I have no recordings of his voice. He had been so healthy most of my life, but all that remained in my memory was the end of his life. There was something called the blessing that Tony guided us through at the event. And during the blessing, my father came back to stay. My father came to date with destiny and stood in front of me. My eyes were closed and I could see him there. This is not what I thought was going to happen. This is not what the exercise was even asking us to do or anything that I've experienced before. But it created an opening and my father stepped in. I had my eyes closed and a stranger came and laid their hands on my head. There's this giant room of people. There were volunteers going around and laying their hands on heads. And right when a stranger came and laid their hands on my head, my father had been standing right in front of me. And my father sat in my lap. He melted into me so that I could wear his spirit 
and take him on our adventures. So he could play with his grandson that he never met. So he could watch us grow from inside of me. So he could taste new things and hold his wife and his son again so that he can help us build a house someday so that he can see more of the world with us while we travel and read new things and go to events like Date with Destiny with me. After my father returned to me, I could remember how healthy my dad was. I could see him at our track meets. I could see him giving me driving lessons and grocery shopping and visiting my dorm in college and riding an elephant in Thailand. I could see these things that I had forgotten. I could see the way he would wear these Walmart jeans until they fell apart with spray foam all over them. My father was a contractor. And the cheap glasses that he would buy off the rack. I remembered how he'd call me in the morning when I was still in bed and sweetly say, Oh, did I wake you up? (laughs) He loved the morning. He was so active in the morning. He got so much done before dawn. How he would glance at me in the back seat of the car while he was driving. And he would draw these pictures for me and put them in my lunchbox with these amazing sandwiches that made my friends drool. Yeah, they had turkey and mayo on them, but they were 100% love. His cheap lime concentrate cocktails that he would make, he was too cheap to buy fresh limes, so he'd squirt in some lime concentrate. It was adorable. He would sweep the garage. He looked so happy when he would clean his garage. And he would throw everything in the dumpster, even things that meant something to my mother, but it was kind of funny. And he would roll under the car on this cool wooden bench with oil in his hands, changing the oil. I remember the smell of his newspaper, his camera, his cookbooks, his leather jacket. He would cook stew and chicken French and sweet corn and applesauce for us. He had homegrown tomatoes in the garden. It was crazy how many tomatoes he would grow. And then he'd toss them in this Italian dressing and he would vacuum for my mom. He would go to church board meetings to help the church, even though he wasn't a religious man. He'd go to zoning board meetings and help the town. I remembered his mustache. I got my dad back. And now I can see his eyes look back at me in the mirror. And this brings me such joy. Right at the end of this blessing, this exercise, my handwriting. We were writing down what happened and my handwriting looked more like my father's handwriting. I heard his voice come out of my mouth. So yeah, there's a lot of woo-woo out there and some of it doesn't appeal to us or help us, but holy shit, this is just six days of my life and all this happened. And I'm so grateful. We also did an exercise where we remembered the moment before our earliest memory. You know, we start by remembering our earliest memory. That's the earliest memory you can remember, huh? (laughs) So my memory is of my mother getting a phone call that my cousin, who was in his 20s at the time, Denny, he died in a car accident. I remember my mom collapsing on top of me. I was laying on her bed. She collapsed on me and she was weeping. This is my earliest memory. We were asked to remember the moment that came before our earliest memory. Huh, I've never done that. That moment was so different than my earliest memory. I remembered being with my mother in her room, feeling her love. And then she got the phone call. And that memory is my earliest memory, I believe, because it was probably the first time I felt the vulnerability of other living beings. My mother was holding me in sadness, but also in gratitude. My brother and I were safe. My dad was safe. Because I was asked to remember the time right before my earliest memory, I could see how much time my parents spent with my brother and I when we were little. How they protected us. How they loved us so much. We're so blessed. So what will I do with this new earliest memory? I decided I'm going to spend more time with my mother. Really feeling her. Seeing her. Protecting her. Understanding her. Loving her. Being with her the way my father and I would have... (laughs) 
being with her the way my father would have loved to be with her now. Just loving her and spend time with my brother. Time is fleeting. Let's walk in the woods together. Let's eat together. Let's go to a movie. My brother and I decided to take my mom out on a date, her dream date, and my father will be with us. And on our way home, my husband and I were so high. I'm not talking about high on any drugs. We were just so high on love. We giggled all the way through the airports and through the flights. We looked around and asked, why are all these people so fucking happy? And the answer was pretty clear. It was because we were so fucking happy. (laughs) And that shit's contagious. I'm going to leave you with a quote that has been attributed to Nelson Mandela, but it was really written by a woman named Marianne Williamson. She wrote, Our deepest fear is not that we are weak. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So this was a longer episode of A Little Lighter, and I hope it changed your life. I really do. Even if it just gave you one sentence that you can repeat over and over again and ponder and smile, I'm happy about that. You can listen to this many times. I'm going to listen to this many times and internalize this wisdom, these practices. The future's always beginning now. And it's so exciting. And I'm going to go cheesy on you. I haven't met you most likely in person. I haven't looked into your eyes. But I love you. I see your light. And I'm so grateful to be part of your life. Thank you so much for listening. If you got something out of this podcast, just share it. Share it with somebody else. Mention something you learned. Send the link to a friend. Let's share the love. Let's share the light. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please subscribe and let your friends know what you got out of this show. Dance with me on YouTube, listen to the music I've selected for you on Spotify, and try some free vegan recipes on AliciaFree.com. This is Alicia Free, hoping this show helped you feel a little lighter.